Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everybody, Bees with Ben, another cracking episode today. So today I have Michael Johnson from the Basin Backyard Beekeeper. So we're going to hear all about what Michael uh, does do, um, everything he does in regards to obviously bees, but he does actually a couple of other cool little things too, So, uh, which I'm super excited to talk about. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Thank you, Ben, and hope you're keeping well in this cold. Tuesday. Oh, it is. I know. It's got that little ice to the chill. Where I think it's going to get icy soon. Even though it's been a bit of a mild winter, hasn't it? It has, but, you know, having said that, Ben, we're getting to edible gardening a little bit later, but my cherry tree is already flowering, already flowering, and so are my blackberries. So spring is a little bit here. I know. That's interesting, isn't it? So, and that's, do you reckon that's the earliest you've ever seen it, Michael? You know, yes, yeah. 100%, 100%, yeah, most definitely. That's incredible, isn't it? I was somewhere yesterday and I saw the same thing there. Uh, they've got a, like, a couple of almond trees just in the Yarra Valley and it was full of flowers. And I thought, my goodness, yeah. this is early as. So. Yeah, no, spring, spring's definitely well and truly knocking on our door. Totally agree. Spring has sprung. Yes. Uh, now, Michael, so, so tell us about you. So how did you sort of uh, uh, get into bees and, and when did that first start? So, Ben, I've been, uh, been pushing the Living Sustainable um, Barrow for quite some time. Even talked about my property a little minute ago. I'm on a quarter acre block, but on my quarter acre block, I have over 80 varieties of edible plants. So we try and be as sustainable as we possibly can and eat what we possibly can here. So for my 50th birthday, I got sick of having to hand pollinate all my own vegetables in particular, pumpkins, zucchinis, all those sorts of things, squashes. So I asked my kids to buy me a beehive, which which awesome. they did. Um, so yeah, my, my one little beehive, turned me into a commercial beekeeper, go figure. But, yeah, so my main point that I push to people is, particularly beekeepers too, you know, you're a beekeeper for a reason because you love the environment, you love all that. But, you know, start thinking about what you put in your mouth. Start thinking about, you know, what, what you're eating. And that starts at home. It's where society broke down many, many years ago, Ben, when places like McDonald's and KFC were introduced into Australia because back then every household had a veggie garden. It's where yes. they got their veggies from. Agree. But, you know, introduction of fast food killed it. But, you know, now one good thing that's come out of COVID, if something good had to come out of it, people are finally sitting back and thinking about what they're eating and, and the veggie garden being reborn into backyards and it's just awesome. So that's how I started my beekeeping career was, you know, as I said, there's my edible garden. Pollinated your little buggers. And you know what? As I said to you, I, I got the beehive so that I didn't have to hand pollinate. I've got five hives on my property here. And guess what I still have to do 10 years later? Hand pollinate my zucchinis, potatoes, pumpkins and whatever. What? Because there's lots of, lots of great um, messmates and other trees around around here and they don't care about my veggies. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's the story. Sad but true. Now, now when, when you said, you, so your children bought it for you on your 50th birthday, so how many years ago was that, Michael? I'm 60 in a month. So 60 in a month? 
yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. That is that's so cool. What, yeah. a, what a cool present, yeah. actually. For, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted. But as I said, one turned into two, two turned into four, and four turned into 280 now. So. Oh, wow. Go, go figure. And, yeah. and, um, and what would you say is the biggest challenge for you keeping bees? Uh, keep it, the biggest challenge is the time involved in, in and once again, um, for those that don't know, I'm the guy that um, either stupidly or bravely um, purchased the Bunya Beekeeper when that went into liquidation. And I jokingly told all my mates, I had an engineering business, I sold that and jokingly told all my mates, <laughs> guess what, boys, I'm semi-retiring. And now I honestly have <laughs> never the... worked so hard in all my life. <laughs> I really haven't. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I totally yeah. hear you there. It's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a big challenge, particularly too, you'd agree that comes springtime, it's just like, it's just manic. It's just manic. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. And as I said, you know, here I am working away thinking, oh, yeah, I've got time up my sleeve, I've got time up my sleeve, and then come home tonight and here's my cherry tree, decide to pop all these flowers, or guess what I'll be doing tomorrow? Painting boxes. Yes, so, yeah. that's yeah. right. Getting ready for yeah. getting ready for spring because it's as I said, it's around, yeah. around the corner. Um, yeah. And so, so with the bees, so so talk about your sort of business because you know you literally work seven days a week because weekends you're doing markets. Uh, you've got yeah. a sh- shop which you can talk. I want you to talk about. So yeah, we we yeah. we we we're working from home. Um, we just got a little bit too big for homes and moved into a factory. Uh, luckily, the factory had a bit of a office space which we were given permission to turn into a shop. Um, and that's where we sell our main honey and everything from. The shop had a fair bit of space left in it, so we opened up what I call the lazy man beekeeping shop. So everything's made for you. Just come and get it. Save you know for time poor people because, it, as, as I say to everybody, everybody tells you how time poor they are. No one ever tells you how much time they have on their hands. Mm, so yes, you know, it's a lazy man's beekeeping shop. So yeah, so in that facility, we bring all our honey back in. We've got a fifty-six frame spinner there. Um, We've got settling tanks, we've got jarring, and we do everything at that facility. And then, yes, uh, weekends we do markets. Most weekends we'll have a Saturday or Sunday. Every now and again we don't have one. We don't have open the shop on Monday. That's my normal catch-up on paperwork, catch-up on beekeeping, and then same sort of thing. In spring, when spring is here, I'll work in the shop till 12 o'clock. My wife will take over and I'm off chasing bees, doing whatever I need to do, we need to do, so yeah. So, so, um, a lot of people don't believe that, you know, there's only two of us doing doing what we do, but it is what it is. And <laughs> when you love a job, you work. It's not work. It's yes, love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Couldn't agree no, more. No, exactly. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and so, so what I'll do is I'll put in the show notes. Um, so you're uh, 31 Rushdale Street, Knoxfield, Victoria. Just That's in, correct. Yeah. Just in yep. Melbourne. So what I'll do is I'll put yep. it in the show notes. Um, so, so opening hours. Um, so t- t- uh, Tuesday, Tuesday to Friday. 10 till 3. 10 till 3. Then the day, I love daylight savings. Yes. I really love daylight savings because it just gives me so much opportunity after hours. So my typical day would be up at 6 and then probably in, a, in, in summer in particular, spring, summer, don't get home till 8, 9 o'clock and then you know, have Start a bit again. of dinner. Have some yeah, dinner and start all over again. Start all over again. Yeah, start all over again. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Ralph sometimes from the from the cartoons in the movie when that he was mining sheep with mining the sheep. Ralph the sheep dog. Ralph the sheep dog. On it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And, and uh, the market. So so how do you find find the markets? Because that's a um, you know talking to people. 
know, it's, it's hard work because we're all different. So you find, you know, yeah. markets can be draining in a way, like positive in a way, one way, but draining in another. Do you know, ever since I was a kid, Ben, everybody, my aunties, my uncles, and said I would talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, and I can. And I, I thrive on talking to people. I love it. Okay, I, awesome. I, I really, really love it when somebody comes up to that counter and just wants to talk. About, I'll give an example today. My wife, a guy comes into the um, shop today and he started telling me, you know, how he'd been everywhere and he felt like one of the Leyland brothers. Well, that started a half-hour conversation about the Leyland brothers. <laughs> I love it. Mike and Mel Leyland and, you know, <laughs> and then my wife, when he left, my wife said, what are you doing? <laughs> just talking. Just talking. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, I love interacting with it. So, yeah, we have weekend markets um, where we have our honey and other bee-related products. So we try to sell as much as possible. We have other – so we give our uh, honey to lolly manufacturer, for instance, and get lollies manufactured. We give our honey to a mustard manufacturer, a nougat manufacturer, lots and lots of different things. So we try to sell – everything we try to sell, we try to make sure – We've got some. Uh, we're in it somewhere. Yes, of course. Somehow. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a, but one thing exciting that's about to happen is a gin that's just be, is now ready to bottle. Ooh. So that's coming out. Um, just gone through the liquor license phase and got all that in in, in ready and waiting. So yeah. Oh, that'd be exciting. Once again, we don't have our honey yet. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So. My, a lot of my friends call me the Rain Man because I just don't stop thinking. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and, I, and I'm, I've dreamt something. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll show you something a little later down the track, but I woke up about a week ago and thought, oh, I dreamt this and wrote it down, and now I've got a metal manufacturer making it for me. <laughs> love and it. I even said, where, where, where do you get this order from? I dreamt that. I love <laughs> it. That's awesome. Yeah. So- yeah. So yeah. on a side note, so obviously working, you know, a lot. Now let's let's put COVID out of the picture. If yep. you could travel somewhere right now, where would you go and what would you do? Japan. I love Japan. I've okay. been to Japan five times. I'm in love with that country. Uh, and when I travel, Ben, I'm not one of these people. My wife and I aren't these sort of people that just go to a country and get on a bus just so that you can drive past something and say that you saw it. I've been to Japan five times, and as I said, I would have been lucky if I've covered 10% of it. Okay, awesome. I, okay. I, we get in, we immerse ourselves in the culture, we become part of it. We'll, we'll spend a week in a town, even if there's nothing there to see. We just, that's the way we love to holiday. So 100% I'd be on a, on a plane to Japan. And, and have you ever caught up with any beekeepers in Japan? I'm not sure. I've never been to no, Japan. No, I haven't. There's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a language barrier yes, there sometimes. Yes. I'd like catch up with somebody yet. Yes. Yeah. I have in France, most definitely in France. Caught yes. up with beekeepers over there, but yeah, not not Japan itself. Yeah, it'd be interesting, sort of the the Japanese, because I know there's a few beekeepers, but as it would be tricky yeah. to translate it. But it'd be interesting because obviously they the way they do things is, you know, I mean, it's incredible. You know, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- definitely different. Yeah, Ex- exactly. Yeah. So and and so in the shop, so talking about a few products, um, which we've had Cedar Anderson on, I think, oh, about twenty episodes ago. Um, so you sell the yep. flow hives. We, yeah, so we're the um, the Melbourne Flow Hive reseller. Uh, yep, we sell Flow Hive to people that come in, um, and we also sell conventional poly hives in particular. I've got two hundred, uh, I've got two hundred and eighty hives as I said, and and two hundred and sixty of those are poly. Yes, okay. Um, I, I love the product. Um, love talking about the product. Um, I, I can guarantee you that winter, my my bees are so happy in their boxes right at this very moment it's not funny because they're, they're insulated from the cold we walk past them 
and and lift them up. They're heavy as all bloody as buggery, so they're they're doing what they need to be doing. So you know, poly boxes in particular. In the summer, it's the exact opposite. I don't get any bearding. There's no need for them to come out and vent and fan the hive to get the get the evaporative cooling system running. So yes, yeah, so we sell poly hives. Uh, yep, we've designed our own beekeeping suit because once again, I'm not happy with anything that was on the market. I even had one guy tell me that his, the suit that I bought him, that bought from him, was a lifetime warranty. And after he gave me the fourth one, he asked me to please never come back or to stop wearing his suit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that that led me to designing my own. Okay. Awesome. I'm pretty happy with. Yep. Tell us about that. What's, what and, sort of style is it? Um, so it's a fully vented suit. Um, the the main difference that I've got in my suit is that you'll look on the on the market and they're all about three point three three point four mil in thickness. Okay. Yep. Well, that's exactly the thickness of a bee sting. So we've gone to four point eight to oh, make okay. it a little bit more comfortable. Um, the funny thing was. Um, I won't tell you the price, but when we went to Pakistan, which gets made in Pakistan, but when we went to these manufacturers, found out that you know most shops give them a, a budget, yes. and that's what or that's what they make to. And I think the guy thought he met, um, you know, his um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you know his money money pit when he met me because I kept sending it back saying no, make a change, make a change, which was cost me ten dollars every time to make a change, and he was just like, oh, okay, I'll yes. make it. Yes, okay, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've put my name on it. I don't, I don't want to sell a crap product. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and, yeah. and that's so it's stingproof, which is awesome. Because that, that, yes, exactly. That's makes what I say, stingproof. Yeah. 4.8, 4. yeah. And I, I, I know it's sounding buffeted or whatever, Ben. I've never felt so relaxed in a bee suit in all my life. Yeah, I really awesome. haven't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's important for some, like a hobbyist beekeeper. You know, they've got their yeah. first bees. You know, there's obviously a certain level of anxiety there. So last thing oh. they want to happen is, you know, getting getting nailed on, the, even if it's the wrist or wherever, because um, they can lose their confidence, can't they? Yes, I do, I do mentoring, and, and that's the one thing that I say to everybody, and you would know as well, like, please relax, relax. Yeah. Like, and, and as I say to them, I can't teach you to relax, but you need to relax because these little guys can sense it. I don't know how, but they can sense oh, okay. the one that's not yeah. relaxed. And boy, do they go for them when they for, for sure <laughs> when they're not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah. totally agree with that. And, and just go, just go back to the poly hives. So, do you prefer the Paradise, which are made in Finland, or the yes, licensed yeah, we, Polish? Yep, we 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 use all the Paradise most definitely. Actually, funny story. Once again, went to an Australian manufacturer. Thought, I'll cut these guys out. I'll go to an Australian manufacturer, and they said to me, they've never seen polystyrene compressed at that. To that um, hardness, and I would have to pay the eighty thousand dollars for them to bring the line up to scratch to be able to do the same thing. So um, you can see where that went when when they were asking me to pay for them to upgrade the plant. But anyway, so, but yeah, it's, it's just a it is a bloody good product. Ben. It it's, is. Well, I love it. So, so yeah. would would you say on say talking about polyhives because I think they're scientifically proven to to conserve or yield thirty percent more honey. So, oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's, there's science yeah. behind it. So, but but what, there's a marketing. Someone listening out there, the listeners. Do you think, as a marketing type type thing or a business, to have an Australian made um, expanded polystyrene hive, an Australian made one? Do you reckon there's a market there? Well, I I think this the, this industry is calling out for Australian made everything. Yes, yeah. But the problem is, there's so much cheap. I won't mention the country, but cheap crap on the market. Yeah. That that. It, it does it, I think that that's part of the thing that stops people from beekeeping is 
some of the equipment that's not available. Mm. They have really bad experiences with it and just think, well, there's nothing else to get. And all of a sudden, they don't want to be beekeepers anymore because the, it's the equipment that's actually broken down rather than the other mm. anything else. Mm. Yeah. Most yes. definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I've heard of like smokers, the um, the cheaper yeah. Asian smokers, where they've 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 actually the bottom welds come out and the hot embers have landed on their feet. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, yeah. And where the Australian yeah. Bico smoker, um, and and aren't they a great smoker? The Bico smokers. Oh, oh, I wouldn't sell anything else but yeah. Bico. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah. And, and if you're out there listening, you know, um, as far as smokers go, I reckon they just work better. I don't know if it's something to do yeah. the bellows, the spout the way the oxygen goes through the, the media or whatever it is, but they just work fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the philosophy in my shop, Ben, is I make my money selling honey. That, that's the reality. Yes. That's where I make my money. So I, my beekeeping supply shop, I'm not going to sell any – I don't need to sell it, and that's, that's the way I look at it. So I'm not going to sell crap. It's pure and simple. Yes. If I sell – if somebody's happy to pay for quality – that come in and buy my quality. If you want crap, there's plenty of other little stores around that'll sell it to you. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 What's the old saying? I think it's is a is a buy once, cry once, and then yeah, and then yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. it. Once you've got it, it's obviously going to be a bit more expensive, but then you've got it. Like a Bico, yeah, smoker. exactly. You've got it for life. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, as you say, yeah. Bico, Bico are, are they're for life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the old pen. I've got one uh, just in my studio. I'm looking at it's a Pender's one from I think the um, the 1940s. Now, obviously, the leather bellows has gone a bit. Crappy, but you know, what I mean, just fix that leather. Um, but the tin itself, the actual smoker is. Yeah, I also, yeah. I also believe that you you actually own the most expensive Vico smoker ever purchased. <laughs> yes, ever. Actually, I think that's right. <laughs> ever purchased. Yeah, I, I better explain the listeners. So there was the yeah. um, the conference. The uh, which conference was that? I got a, a brain. Uh, the, the Geelong, the Victorian Beekeeper yeah, Association that's the one. conference. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there was a a uh, having an auction. It was going to half the proceeds were going to the uh, Tasmania Junior Beekeeping Club down in Tassie, yeah. just in Hobart there. Yeah. And the other half of the money was going to the Wean Bee Foundation. And uh, Costa, uh, old mate Costa. Um, what, what's his last name? Costa. I don't know. It's uh, Costa Georgiades. Georgiades. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. On TV, yeah. I think Channel Two. Um, it was yeah. Had this auctioning this um, this smoker. And, and I thought it was going for a good cause. How, how much did it go for? <laughs> I think you, well, you would know, you think you paid about $600 for yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was more there. than that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, but it went to a good cause. So, uh, and I've got that looking at me here. So it's, uh, but I might say that, you once again, here's a little bit of a bragging point here. That, that, that came from the night before the conference. There was a dinner and they had a, a, um, a competition, a bee question competition. Yours truly and, and, and um, Anita Long from Tasmania won the competition and when they gave us a smoker we both looked and went well I've, I've got a shop full of smokers and, <laughs> yes, and Ethan yeah. didn't need any and Costa was sitting right there and we said hey Costa how about you sign this and we'll try to raise some money what so a that's where idea. that's so, yeah, awesome that's why idea. you should be angry at me because I cost you a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was for a good cause. No, it was important. It was, 100% it was. Yeah. It, was uh, yeah. it was important. And, uh, and speaking of funny little things, um, just mentioned on sort of uh, before about license and so forth, um, we'll, we'll just talk just before. What was the regards to bees in, in license 100 years ago? Not license in Poland, sorry? Well, yes. Yeah, so I was reading the, the facts of a, um, in this bee book the other day that I, that I got and I was reading away that back in Poland about 200 years ago, beekeepers were almost royalty. And what happened was if, if you actually stole a hive, your sentence was death. That's how, that's how highly regarded they were. Wow. And then a bit further on, if you stole multiple hives, 
they actually hung and quartered you and leave you to die in agony. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, that was the punishment for stealing. That's, that's how highly regarded beekeepers were 200 years ago in Poland. Wow, that's yeah, yeah. and fair enough. Yeah. You know, if someone's stealing hives, well, yeah, yeah, stealing a hive should still be the same today. Yeah, that's or oh, stealing anything, yeah. regardless. It could be yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, people yeah. doing that. It's, it's just absolutely, yeah. absolutely wrong. Now, um, now also too. So, in regards to to you know, you're not just a beekeeper. You're like a a, a chef extraordinaire. Now, I was a chef for uh, over ten years, but you do some really cool things because you you teach people like cheese making and like salami making. Yeah, so in winter, as you, you know, being a semi-retired man that I am, um, and, you know, you can't talk about living sustainably if you're not thinking about the whole part of living sustainably and, and same sort of thing. So, yes, in winter, I run cheese-making courses and salami-making courses. Now, he, here's a little fact that, that of, of in salami-making courses in particular. So when I teach somebody how to make a salami, it's illegal for me to let them take that salami home. And do you want to know why? Because I don't use nitrate. Yeah. It's illegal to sell salami in Australia without having nitrate in it. You buy nitrate in the packet. It comes and right across the top is blazing the word poison. Wow. And it's, I, yeah. I believe it's carcinogenic too. And well, that's what I say. It's blazing right across the top of it, poison. But it's illegal for me to give somebody salami without it in there. So I teach people how to make it naturally. We use a, a natural probiotic as the as Ooh, okay. the, yep. the to build up the the um the content in it. And yes, I've never become cooked in my life from salami. So yeah, and as you say, cheese making also. So I'm I'm all about what stop 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 walking into the supermarket. Yes. Once again, I'll, I'll change the. I've got to bang on about COVID again. These big supermarkets have profited. So much yeah. out of this COVID is not funny. So, you know, if, if we can stay out of the Aldis and the Coles and the Woolies by using our own little bit of land, you'd be surprised how much you can grow on your own little bit of quarter acre block. You can you pull out a weed, put in a put in edi- an edible. Like, it's, it's not hard. As I say, in my property, so I've got this massive decking across the front of my house, Ben. Yes, I have yeah. two pear trees in, on that decking that I've espaliered on. But I have eighteen variety of pear. Yeah, so, wow! You know, um, I I can I get pears for six months of the year because one variety is ready this week, next variety is next next week, and that, that's one of the other things. You know, when you think about it, people who do have lots of fruit trees and everything, the one complaint is they have too much fruit. They don't know yes, what to do with it. Yes. So by by grafting different things onto it, same thing with my lemon tree. I call it Franken tree. My lemon tree's got seven different varieties of things on it because, you know, you've got that little bit of real estate, so let's maximise that little bit of real estate. And why why have boxes and boxes of lemons that you can't give away because your neighbour's got boxes and boxes of lemons? So, you know, my lemon tree's got a yuzu on it, got a couple of yuzu on it, it's got, um, you know, grapefruits on it. It's it, it just got lots and lots of different cap of lime on it out of this one little bit of real estate. Same, yeah. You know, right next to that, there's an apple tree that's got eight varieties of apple on it. So, you know, you know, we've all got this land. Let's use it and use it smart. And that's yes. what edible gardening is all about. It's not just about, oh, yeah, there's my tomato plant. You know, I'm an edible garden. No, no, no. You've got to have multiples of everything. And, and, and the true edible garden is our farming. We've all been taught to have a veggie book, a garden, by farming practices. 
So, you know, you go to a farm and there's all the tomatoes in a row. Well, that's drive-through McDonald's for all the, all the predators, you know what I mean? So in an edible garden, you might have a tomato in one corner, a tomato, you know, 10 metres away from that, and then your companion plant around all that. And you don't have to worry about the predators coming in and destroying your garden yes. because, yep. you know, it, it, it's all set up that they can't, they don't want to come here. They don't want to come to your garden. Yes, yeah. That's people can do and it's, and it's not rocket science it's so easy to do as i say there's a weed okay goodbye weed there's an edible in your spot yes it's interesting you bring that so, up michael just around the corner from me there's a, a vietnamese family and i just love their front yard it is yeah. it is a yeah. working front yard and it just it stands out from all the other sort of anglo-saxon houses but it's awesome yeah. because they've got all their their you know their fruit their vegetables and just everything's there and you see them working it and it's just that as you're saying you can use that and 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 save money uh but also to yeah. you know where it comes from you know and not because and, that, and that's the know. other side of it too is you know people the blocks are getting smaller these days too so you know there's there's lots of community gardens around like i help start up a community garden here in the basin so you know there's a hundred plots there that people are paying fifty dollars a year to go and use that little bit of plot to grow your fruit and veggies in because you know i haven't there's no room for you to do it at home so you know go and wander around a community garden and also the as you said the different cultures that are there man do you learn a lot oh do you learn a lot yes for sure absolutely for free for yes. free. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and what about the cheeses? So so with, so with the cheese making course, how does that work, Michael? How do you so do you, that? You, you come in and I'll teach you in in a two hour period, an hour and a half, two hour period, how to make a we we make a halloumi, a ricotta, and a um, mozzarella. Yes. We eat it all there, and then you that so that gives you the basics of cheese making. Um, and then we sell all the cheese making. So once again, in our shop, um, it, we sell all the cheese making supplies, all the cultures, everything you'll ever need to be able to go home and make your own cheese. And you just start your own journey of making cheese because once again, the m- massive manufacturers they make a cheese to one person's taste. Yes. But, yeah. you know, it, so we all have to have the same taste. Well, I'm sorry, that, uh, I don't want to. I want to mm-hmm. have my own taste. If I want to add something different to it, I'll add something different to it. And, and, you know, enjoy what I'm eating rather than buying something that, you know, once again, half the time you take a bite and think, oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. And that's the same with all the fruit and veggies in it. Like, it, you can't compare fruit and veggies. There's a John, John Denver, bless his soul, who's now six foot under because he forgot how to fly his airplane. <laughs> He's got a, a, a song and it's called Homegrown Tomatoes. And that's what he says in there. There's two things in life that money can't buy. That's true love and homegrown tomatoes. I love it. I love and that. It's true. It is yeah. true. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely love yeah. that. So, and, yeah. and cheese is such a beautiful thing. I'm just, I think I'm, sal- oh, yeah. I'm salivating just thinking about cheese because just you reminded me of um, being a Tassie, you know, Bruni, Bruni Island uh, cheese company. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, see, he's a, he's a he's a great guy too. So he, oh, he's lovely. This how stupid our country is. He had to petition for nearly four years. One of the best cheeses that you can ever yes. eat is unpasteurized milk yes. cheese. Yes, He had a petition the government for over four years to finally be allowed to make it in this country. I know. I, th- I think he, he was the first person to start doing the um, that raw cheese, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. I think it was a yeah. C2, if I remember right, the raw milk Yeah, but, so, but you go through all of Europe, man, half their cheeses are unpasteurized. Yeah, no one's exactly. dying. Yeah, that's no right. Dying. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you get those yeah. good bacterias and things sometimes. Yeah, yeah good bacteria, mm. 100%. We we we're taught to introduce bad bacteria. It's yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, putting bad, yeah. And, and as you said about there with the salamis, putting putting nitrates 
So, yeah, yeah. Which and is... that's what I say. I can teach you how to make a, a for instance, a um, a halloumi from forty within forty minutes. You're eating it. You'll never eat store bought halloumi again. You won't. Wow. When you awesome. know how easy it is. Wow. And a lot of those cheeses can last, you know, some time. I think a halloumi you can store that in like a, a brine. Oh, and, and yes and no. So the, the methods that I use. So there are two different methods, but the method I use, you have to be prepared then and there on that day. You got to wake up in the morning, say, "Okay, I'm going to have halloumi for tonight for dinner," and you got to make it and eat it. Yes, because it, because there's just no preservatives in it, Ben. Okay, there's nothing yes. to keep it yes. alive. So, and you know, we, we talk about preservatives, and this is a classic. When I talk about it in my classes, go and buy a packet of flour tortillas from the supermarket, mm. and see how many numbers and chemicals yes. and things are in. It. There's 16 listed on it for something that you can make at home that's got flour, salt, and water. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's 16 numbers on it in a, in a shop. That's cra- isn't that crazy? Like it's just crazy, yeah. Um, and, you know, once again, you know, our forefathers, they didn't have the cancers and the food allergies and all that sort of stuff that we now have in this society because it's the food the food chain's broken down. Yes. Well, time to re, re, bring it back to what it was. When when our grandfathers all had vegetable gardens and, it, you know, you ate out of your property. Mm. So I always remember when I was a kid, Ben. We once again we lived on a quarter acre block. I came home one day and here's two sheep in our in our property that <laughs> yes. my old man had bought, and they lived there for for about three months. Then they went into the shed, and next thing they were hanging over the bar. The bar. <laughs> I've never forgot that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Absolutely love it. But that, that's how they lived. Exactly. That's yeah. how you lived, and we've forgotten it. The the art's gone, and as I said, unfortunately, the big fast food changes have helped help that happen. Yes, yeah. I, I suppose one positive thing is you sort of with honey. Obviously, there's always going to be people who buy honey from the supermarkets, but you'd get this all the time, especially at the markets. You know, people go, "Well, they just can't buy honey from the supermarkets because it just tastes different." You know, and it's just you'd yeah. be surprised how many compliments we get mm. the taste of real honey. Then, yeah, people cannot believe it when you see them again the following month. They cannot believe the difference in the taste, yes. as you would know. Yes, yeah. it's, it and is it, amazing, it, isn't it? Yes, it is real versus pretend. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And it's the same with a lot of the foods we eat. It's the same with a lot of them. Yeah. And as I said, beekeepers in particular, you've already got it in your genes to be thinking of the environment, thinking of the bees, thinking of the planet. Well, start thinking about what you put in your mouth as well, like further than the honey that you're putting all this effort into getting to, to help you benefit, you know, gut health and benefit wise. Start thinking about other things that you're putting in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. and speaking of honey, what's, what's your favourite honey? Is there one particular variety well, that you like? Well, up until, up until about a month ago, I always called grey box honey my death row honey. So when I'm you know, on the electric chair for not wearing my face mask and they're about to push the button, I want to crack open the lid of the, of the grey box and just glug, glug that down as a, and be the last thing I remember. But I've just in the last month discovered Jarrah honey from Western Australia. Ooh, okay. And holy moly, is that leave any other honey I've ever tasted for death. Really? Describe it to us. Flavor-wise yeah, and, and also benefit-wise. Yes. Well, once again, when we were kids, and I'm, I'm not sure whether you did this when you were a kid, but when we were kids, once again, you always went down to the health food shop and you took your jars there and you filled up with malt and you filled up with honey and you filled up with whatever else that, that you went. Funny story, a famous Essendon footballer, Dick Reynolds, he, he ran the health food shop where I live and that's why I'm now a bomber supporter because you know, me being a three foot nothing, looking up at the six foot three man, telling me, him telling me I will be a bomber supporter. I've never forgotten it. And I've always been a bomber supporter since. But this 
reminds me of when I was a kid and would put a, a spoonful of malt into my mouth. It's it, it's the exact, almost exact yes. flavour and and memory. So for me, it's, yes, it's the flavour, but it's also bringing back memories yes. that, that I want. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what a good food does. A good food, regardless of what it is, brings back. It, it promotes healthy, really good memories. Yes. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That is so absolutely so true. Yeah, so true. And uh, and last question, Michael. I really yep. appreciate your time. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic. Is there is there one particular uh, piece of advice? You know, something someone getting into bees or someone's got bees. One particular piece of advice that you could give to to someone. I'm going to be controversial, and I'm not a fan of beekeeping courses, Ben. Yes. There's, yep. there's, there's, there's better books on the market that you can do a beekeeping course at your pace. You can keep referring back to it because, unfortunately, when, when classes, no matter what they are, and it's the same in my cheese-making and salami-making classes, there's normally two or three people that dominate that mm, class, yeah. and you don't get to ask what you, what you want to know because they're being dominated by other people. And, and then you're driving home thinking, well, hang on, what was all that about again? Where with a, with a really good book, the Australian Beekeeper Manual, for instance, it's a book that you can pick up, you can read a chapter, you can put it back down, you can read another chapter. There's nobody interrupting you, nobody you know, taking control of, of the, the class. So every single person that comes into my shop, Ben, and says, I'm, I want to look at beekeeping, that's the, the area that I push them into. The genuine ones walk out with the book. Because they understand that you know, so that would be my one piece of advice. If you genuinely want to get into beekeeping, then buy good quality beekeeping books and use yep. that as your beekeeping course. Yes, yeah. Because it, you can do it at your own pace, and you can keep referring back to it. Yeah, that's I, I agree. And the other thing is too, people are sometimes worried about mistakes, and I think yeah, you know, um, make mistakes. So that's how we learn. Because imagine you know, mistakes. Yeah, yeah mistakes make us better people. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It'd be pretty yeah. boring if we just had a beehive in the backyard and pulled off fifty kilos every year and and looked at it once only when we're taking honey. Like it'd be boring. Yeah, you know I mean? so yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so awesome. Yeah, that, that's my, yeah. My, as I said, controversial, but that's my. my oh no, that's yeah. yeah. No, and I think there's, and that's the thing is with beekeeping. You know, I mean, around the world, there's so many different ways of do things. So I wouldn't say yeah. it's controversial. It's you know, you, you do have those those people who you know want to do a clasp, and and you're right. You know, you get you, um people who sort of that dominating that sort of the class yeah. and yeah. and um, that can distract the others and some of those people, yeah. the way they're receptive to learning is very different. There's a lot to take in on yeah. one day and, oh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I wouldn't say it's controversial, but I think we're all different. So it's going to suit some people, but then you're right. You know what I mean? Having having a book and I think the Australian Beekeeping Manual by Robert Owens as a, yeah. as a benchmark book is is brilliant, is, um, is really, really good. So, And that's what I say to mm. people, too, you know, one, stay off YouTube because, once again, as you would know, eucalypts in particular change change beekeeping a hundred percent from European mm. and American. Mm. It changes right. it exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, to have to have that a book written by an Australian for Australian conditions, there's nothing better. Nothing better. Yes. Yeah. No. Yep. Totally agree. Well, Michael, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your valuable time because uh, you got to rest. You got to go on a holiday. 
Even I know we can't gotta, travel anywhere, but <laughs> I've got to go to my B meeting course tonight. Then so. oh, there, 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 there you go. <laughs> my B meeting, your B yeah. meeting course. Well, yeah. well, yeah. Make, yeah. make sure you um you have rest up because it's um it's I know how hard you work, and I think beekeepers they all do work hard. But that's the other, on the flip side of that, I think it's um uh, beekeepers have got the um uh, longest age lifespan of of any profession. Yes, yes, exactly, because they love it and enjoy it. Exactly. And when you're happy. You know, happiness goes right through your body, especially through your mind. Yes. Sad people don't, you know, unfortunately, it's the mind. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, thank you. You take care. Thank you, Ben. uh, We'll talk soon. Thanks, Michael. Bye for now. Bye-bye. What a fantastic episode! You know, talking about little, little bit different things. So making salami and cheese, and obviously, you know, Michael doing those courses, which is really, really cool. He's sort of doing many, many things, and and you know, being sixty years old, you know, working all those times. I don't know how his wife uh, puts up with him, but no, that was an absolutely brilliant episode. Thank you so much, uh, Michael, and uh, I hope you, as a listener, got something out of that, and and you get something out of each episode. And don't forget, if you want to hear someone. Um, you know, just shoot me for a text, 0437077792, or send me an email, I'm a bit more responsive on text messages because I seem to be doing lots of driving. But uh, anything you want to hear or a little tips, you know, hey, you know what? If you've got a tip, you got an idea or something, just let me know because what I'll do is I can put it on there so everyone can listen to your little trick or your little tip that you do. So, And once again, thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Absolutely uh, humbled that you, uh, as a listener, um, we're coming up to almost uh, 40,000 plays, which is absolutely amazing. And this is about you, the people, um, the beekeepers. Most of you guys and girls will be keeping bees, but I'm sure it might be the odd person sort of wants to get into it. But I really super duper appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Bees with Ben podcast and we hope you learnt some tips and tricks. It would mean a lot if you could please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to get instant updates when a new episode is uploaded. See you next week.